You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. This Sunday, we continue the beginning sermon series. Here's Pastor Rick with a sermon that's simply titled, How? Well, I, I want to talk to you this morning about four ordinary things that you and I do, or you and I can do, should do, Four ordinary things we do that release the extraordinary power of God in our life. Okay? So, four ordinary things that you and I do that release the extraordinary power of God in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got friends, i got some friends that they're always looking for the weird. You know, if it's weird, then God must be around it, right? You know, because if it's weird, you know, God's going to show up and all of that. And, and, but, but reality, most of us, we don't have problems. You know, and then some people are like, oh, no, scared of anything weird. But most of us, we don't have problems with the weird. We have problems with the ordinary. And we just need to do the, and there's four ordinary things that, that, that we should be doing. And if we do these four ordinary things, it will release the extraordinary power of God in our lives. So four ordinary things that release the extraordinary. Now, and none of these four things are going to blow you away today. You're not going to say, oh, I never thought of that. You're going to say, yeah, I've heard that before. But I'm hoping something is going to be said just a little differently today so that maybe the light will come on and you'll get it and you'll be ready to go. Okay, so here, here's number one. The number one, it's not gonna, I mean, it's not going to surprise anybody, the Bible, you know. And why do we need to read the Bible? You know, what is, I don't know if you've heard this before around here or not. But God knows stuff we don't know. You heard that one before? God knows stuff you don't know. He knows stuff I don't know. He knows things. And, you know, and I've said this so many times over the last several years is, you know, just, just in praying, you know, and, and throwing things out to God and, and kind of leaving it with Him, it's, it's because God knows stuff we don't know. So why do we need to read the Bible? Because His Word is full of, of uh, teaching, eternal teaching, some of it hundreds, some of it thousands of years old, and, and it still speaks to us today, it speaks to your situation, my situation, and it, it's kind of like, like right now I'm talking, you know, and I'm talking to a crowd, but you're all hearing a little bit differently, and same way with the Word of God. You, you, you're hearing a little differently because you've got a different need than you've got, and you've got a different need than that person, and that person, and that person, and so we're all hearing it based on what we need, and what we need to hear, the places we are, what we're going after, and those kinds of things. And so we need to be reading the Bible because God knows stuff we don't know. And in his word, we find out some of that stuff we don't know. A few weeks ago, for example, I think this is a good example. A few weeks ago, I had a, a thing at my, my house I needed I needed to fix. And it was, it was going to be one of those all-week things. It's like I have to work on it a little bit, wait and let it you know, set dry and all that, come back to it the next day, work on it a little bit more, come back the next day, work on it a little bit more. It was going to be an all-week thing. And so I, I thought, well, I'll text Cliff. And I don't know if you know Cliff Bishop or not. Uh, he, he was here in our first service uh, this morning. But, but Cliff, I text him and, and just ask him. And he said, yeah, I think, he said, I think I've, got a, I've got an idea of a way we could fix that. And so then sometime later he came by. It was several days later he was able to come by and look at it. He said, yeah, I think we can. And, and then when he actually came to do the work, it was like, it was like less than a two-hour job. I mean, it wasn't that big a deal. I thought he was coming in and he was going to do the same thing I was going to do. You know, he was going to be here a little while, wait you know, come back tomorrow and do a little bit more and come back the next day and do a little bit more and over and over and over. You know what? He didn't have to. You know why? 
because he had already done this before and he had done it several times and he had found a shortcut. He knew a way to do it. It's like before he ever got there, he already had a plan. It was before he even saw it, you know, just from my explanation, before he saw it, that day he came to look at it, he already knew what he was going to do. But when, when I first texted him and told him, here's the situation, he already had, he already had this knowledge because he had done it before. He knew what to do. And, and, and so here, here's my point, like God, you know, is it, it, like God, God already knows today, he already knows right now what you're going to need tomorrow. I'm going to let that settle in for just a minute. I want you to get that. I'm going to say it again, but I want you to get that. God knows right now. Just, just like Cliff knew before I called him, he knew how to do something. I, it was going to be a five-day project for me. It was a two-hour project. For me. He already knew how to do it in a different way. And in the same way, God knows something today that you're going to need tomorrow. That's, that's why you need to be reading his word, because his word is full of direction of things like that. God knows stuff you don't know. Another example, a, few day, a couple of weeks later, I think it was, had another situation. Now, Kurt, I don't know if you know Kurt, Kurt Sanford, who's over our prayer team. He was here also in the first service. I, I, Kurt knew about it, so I didn't even have to ask him. Kurt came, and he, he said, I want to help you with this. Well, I had a plan, and so Kurt was going to help me, and so my plan was basically go and work and just break my back to work to get this thing done. Well, Kurt had been thinking about it, and Kurt had devised a plan. He cut some I-beam and, and some things and put some stuff together, and he showed up with all He said, I just want to try this. I never tried it before, but I, I just thought this might work. And I thought, you know, I think that's going to work. We tried it. Guess what? It worked. And it wasn't, it wasn't the back-breaking job I, want, I thought it was going to be. It was a lot easier. And, and, and Kurt did that because... That's just, that's just who Kurt is. That's his nature. Kind of figure out things to do a little differently and, you know, and a little easier. And so he did that. Okay. In the same way, God has plans that you and I can't even imagine because that's who he is. I mean, he's got a plan. I mean, if you go all the way back to Genesis when Adam and Eve messed up, you know what God did? He had a plan, you know, for everything, every problem that we're facing God has a plan, you know, and he already has a plan. He's got, and he doesn't have thousands of plans or hundreds of plans. God has one plan for every single one of us. He has a plan that will fit for every one of us. He has direction for every one of us. He has this. That's why we need to be reading his word because in there, that's where we, that's where we find this. And, you know, the only thing, like, if you're ever uh, struggling or ever have about it, because some of you are already thinking, like, I need to get, I need to get clerk. Uh, Kurt and Cliff's number. That's what some of you are probably already thinking, right? But the, the only thing, if you're ever in trouble, you ever have a problem, a situation you need to work through, the only thing better than having Cliff and Kurt's number on speed dial is having God's number on speed dial. Amen? And so, so talk, read God's Word because God knows stuff that you don't know. Okay, here's the second thing. You already knew that one, right? But here's the second thing. Prayer. Praying. Okay, now I've heard people say, that the greatest prayer ever prayed was not answered. The greatest prayer ever prayed not answered. Now, they had determined that the greatest prayer, in their estimation, was the prayer at Gethsemane, the night before Jesus was crucified, when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed. Now, in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, uh, this is about all we know about the prayer that he prayed, okay? Uh, we know he prayed longer than this. I'll explain that in just a minute. But this is about all we know that he said. 
Right before, the night before Jesus was going to be crucified, he was praying to his father. He said, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, meaning don't make me go die that horrible death that I've got to die tomorrow. Jesus knew what was going to happen. He, he, he knew it. He could see this future that was coming, and he said, please don't make me do this. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He said, there's any other way. If you can see any other way for this to happen besides me having to go through that. You know, Jesus was the son of God, yet he had put himself in this, in this flesh vessel. He put himself in this body, and this body, this flesh, thinking about all this, was saying, I don't know if I could do this, but inside, Jesus was saying, but we have to do this. And so people said, this is, you know, the, the greatest prayer ever prayed, because this was the Son of God the night before he was going to be crucified, and so the greatest prayer ever prayed by the Son of God was not answered. I know that really just encouraged everybody right here, right? I mean, it makes you really want to pray now because even Jesus, he prayed and the, and the greatest prayer ever prayed was not answered. Or maybe it was because you, you see the end of that, right? If any possible way, if there's something else that we can done, you know, that we can, can be done, it, is, is there some other idea or plan you can come up with, but I want your will to be done, not mine. You see, here's, here's what was going on. It's while Jesus was battling with his flesh that he put himself inside of. He was battling with this and saying, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could do it. Yet his spirit was connecting with his father. And his father, while Jesus was praying, I, I, I don't know if this flesh doesn't know if it can handle it. His father in heaven was praying something so much more awesome. Imagine, imagine if, if God the father had said, okay, Jesus, you don't have to die on the cross of Calvary. You don't have to go there. I'm not going to put you through it. You don't have to do that. Where would you and I be today? Where would this world be today without salvation in Christ? Where would we be today without, without the teaching from, from the, the, the greatest person that ever lived and walked the face of this earth? Where would you and I be today without that? But you know what was happening? God the Father was praying this prayer, speaking this over. It's something so much more awesome than, than, than Jesus was having to pray out of this flesh. Something so much more amazing. He was praying. And, and, and what, Jesus, what Jesus did is he even connected with that. By saying, yet I want your will to be done, not just my will to be done. He connected with that. So, so here's what's going on. Is that the Father's praying and Jesus is praying. And they're talking and they're going back and forth. And they're praying together and they're talking and all of this. And there's a connection that is going on. And what Jesus was praying sounded like the best plan, right? Don't make me go through this. But what the Father was playing, what he was declaring, what he was speaking over Jesus was the very best. It was the, it was the greatest miracle of all time for yours and my salvation. That's why, yes, I agree, this is probably the greatest prayer ever prayed because this was the prayer that brought salvation for me and you. And the greatest prayer ever prayed wasn't answered. I believe it was, but it was a prayer that was answered because they were in unity together. Here's, here's my point right here. Perhaps God is praying over you something so awesome you can't even imagine it. And so while you're praying, I mean, you're praying, maybe like Jesus, you're praying in this short-term, you know, minusculely focused moment of, of, of what you're about to deal with, but maybe God is praying something so powerful and strong over you that you can't even imagine what it is. So what do you do? I don't want to miss that. If God's praying something like that over me, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it because, you know, I don't, I don't want to miss a stake because, you know, I'm praying over 
God, give me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, you understand what I'm saying? I don't want to miss the amazing. I don't want to miss the extraordinary because I'm praying for something ordinary to happen. But when I pray ordinary and I connect it with God, then the extraordinary can happen. And I don't want to miss that, so i got to make sure that my prayer is connecting with him. It's not just a one way, okay? Probably come back to that in, in just a little while. And here's the third thing. The third ordinary thing we do is, is fasting. Okay, now, I think everybody knows what fasting is. It means doing without food, but that's where we get the word breakfast, you know, break fast. If we break our fast from, you know, sleeping all night and not eating, you know, unless you eat sleep or something, I don't know, like sleepwalk, I don't know. You know, but we break our fast, right? We know what that means, but why do we do it? Isn't that a weird thing? Why in the world, why, why is that important? Why does that help? How, how is this important? Okay, I think there is no greater explanation of fasting than in Isaiah, chapter 58, I believe it is. I, I don't believe there's any greater explanation of what fasting really is. Now, here in, in the verses preceding this, it's almost like God is arguing with it. He's getting on to his chosen people, his nation of Israel, and he's saying, you, what you're doing is calling fasting, that's not fasting. That's, he says, here's what fasting is. Uh, there's verse 6 and 7. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. I love that. <laughs> that last thing he threw on there, right? <laughs> you know, I love that because some, some of y'all, you know y'all doing that, right? Your phone rings. Oh, not answering that one, right? <laughs> I don't know. If I'm getting on your toes, that's okay, all right? I, I just love that God God threw that one there for you. We, don't turn your back on your family that needs your help. Now, this is what God says is fasting. He's not talking a whole lot about doing without food, is he? I mean, he's not. Now, but they've already, been they've already got that part of it. You know, he's already talked to them about that. They already got that. But he said, that's not what fasting is for. It's just for you to check it off the list. Say, okay, God, I did ordinary thing number three. I fasted today. And so now you got to send me the extraordinary I said, that, that's, that's not what fasting is. I mean, look at this. I mean, if, if, I were to, if I were to figure out what fasting was just from those two verses right there, I would say fasting is about people. Fasting is about people with needs. Fasting is about people with problems. Fasting is about people around me that I'm ignoring, that I'm not paying attention to, people that I've not even noticed that they're having struggles. I mean, if I were to look at that and say, this is what fasting is, I would say it was that. Well, you know what? It is part of that like this, like if you fast a meal this week, like you're going to skip maybe lunch on Tuesday, you know, then take that money, the money that you were going to spend on lunch and go buy somebody else's lunch. That's what he says fasting is. Or take that time that you would spend preparing the meal and spend it in prayer and pray for somebody that, that needs you. Or, or if you know somebody, that's, this is what he's saying fasting is. It's not just about skipping a meal. It's about it impacting you in some way and doing doing something amazing for you in that way. It's about more than that. So fasting is about others. Fasting is about me. Fasting is about me getting my focus off of me. That's what fasting is. It's about me getting my focus off of me and getting my focus on somebody else, getting my focus on other things, getting my focus on, on, on what is really, really important in life. All right. Let me, let me explain it to you. Here, here's, here's how the good comes out of fasting. I, I do food fasts, okay, where I fast food, you know, meals. But I also do something really weird. Some of you are going to think this is weird and you never heard of it before. I do this thing I call a solo fun. 
fast, okay? Meaning that I fast solo fun, you know, my individual fun. I might go see a movie with David or I might watch a TV show with the grandkids, but I won't watch a movie by myself or I won't watch TV by myself. I may post something real quick on Facebook or, or, or some social media, you know, something I need to post, but I won't read through the rest of the post. I won't look at everybody else and you know, get caught up in all that. Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm home by myself for lunch, then, uh, you know, and I'm sitting there to eat, I won't turn on uh, Jeopardy and watch Jeopardy while I'm sitting there, you know, that kind of thing. I'm fasting my own personal, solo, individual. You understand? It, it, it would be okay for me to have fun as long as I'm having fun with somebody. There's a reason for this. I know this is probably sounding weird to some of you, especially some of you that's been in church for a while. It's like, this is weird, Pastor. I don't think that's what fast. Hang on here, okay? I think you'll follow me in just a moment, okay? As, as I, you know, I may play video games with somebody, but I don't play a video game by myself, okay? Here, here's the reason I do this. Here's what I learned from fasting, solo fun. I discover the things that disconnect me from other people in my life. You know, when, 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 I, when I realize the things that I, that's what I, disco- I discover those things. I discover the things that keep me from being more productive. Those things that I'm doing so much of. And I'll, show, I'll show it to you here in just a minute, how, the, how that really comes up. I discover how much time I am, di- I am disconnected from actually living life. And I discover the things I am addicted to. Okay, here, here's, how this, here's how this thing works, this discovering the things I'm addicted to. I know y'all don't have problems with this, right? But you know what? It's like if I decide, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm, a, I'm a home alone for lunch, and so I make my lunch, and I sit down. There, I'm at the TV's right there, but I'm not going to turn on Jeopardy right now and watch Jeopardy because I'm doing this solo fun, you know, my own personal individual fun fast. So I'm not going to do that, but I'm sitting there. What am I going to do, you know? And you know what will happen? If you're not careful, you'll reach for that cell phone and you'll start opening up, maybe looking through to find one of your games or social media or something before you even realize it, right? And when you do that, that's when you realize this is the thing that I'm addicted to. Not an addi- addicted maybe that you're spending all of your life savings. Maybe not in a, addicted in a way that's really destroying your marriage, but I do wonder sometimes if we aren't hurting our marriage and our relationships because of some of the things. But what it does is it lets us know those things that have become so ingrained in our lives that we automatically reach for them without even thinking about, is this what I need to be doing these five minutes or not? We just automatically reach for them. And so I'm going to challenge you, every one of you, I'm going to challenge you this week. I'm going to challenge you to a solo fun fast, okay? That you fast one day this week, I dare you, one day that you don't do anything alone for fun this week. Not a thing. You know, you can't, can't surf social media. You can't watch a, uh, you can't play a video game by yourself. You can't watch a movie or TV by yourself. Anything you want to do for fun, you're going to do with somebody to reconnect yourself and realize all the, all the lack of connection that you've started building in your life. I dare you to do it. I dare you to do it, okay? This is my challenge to you. And then the next day, the day after that, I dare you to fast a meal. So I, I, I challenge you to try, do both. If you can't do both, do at least one of them. But I, I dare you, I challenge you, do these this week just to begin seeing the power that fasting can have in your life. Okay, here's the fourth thing. And the fourth thing is, is uh, listening. You know, and um, hearing from God, listening to God. When we read the Bible, we'll, we'll, we'll see, you'll see this more and more often. Think about those people in the Bible that, that extraordinary things happen in their lives. They heard from God. 
take, for example, Noah. You know, Noah, he rescued his family. When he heard from God, I dare you, go back to Genesis chapter 6 and read it. He did not hear from God, hey, Noah, I got an idea of a way that I can rescue your family. God gave him explicit building specs. I mean, he had down, down to the inch and that kind of stuff. God said, build it this, like this, like this, like this, like this. Gave him specific building specs. And he heard these. He didn't just hear an idea. He heard these things from God. And, and, and by listening to God and doing what God said and following it to the T, he rescued his family. And I think everybody in this room is intelligent enough to add two and two together right here to, to make the leap from physical to spiritual and say what God did for Noah, God wants to do for my family too. Is God doesn't just want to give me an idea of how to rescue my family, or how to save my family, how to pull my family back together. God has a plan with specifics, with specs of, of how to build and what to do. And if God's got that for me, then all I need to do is I need to start listening and doing what God has called me. He's got that for you there. That's why you need to be hearing from God. Because he's got that for you. Okay, but how do I hear from God? Okay, I want to tell you how, you how we hear from God. And really, it's these four things that I've already been talking to you about. This is how we hear from God. Like, the Bible helps us hear from God because the more we read, like reading his voice, the more we will understand and recognize his voice. You ever been reading an email or a letter that somebody sent to you, and you, like, hear their voice saying it? You know, maybe their inflection. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, okay, a few of you maybe. You know, you hear, you're reading that, and some of you are like, no, I don't do that, Pastor. You're hearing voices or something. No, I, I mean, I hear people when they read it, right? Like they were writing it. I can hear how they say it. You know, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of like somebody telling me about Will. You know, Will sitting here. You know, somebody saying, man, you won't believe how mean Will was to me. He said so and so and so and so, blah, 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 blah. And you, and you know what I'm thinking? I don't know if y'all know Will or not. But if somebody were to tell me that, you know what I would be thinking? I would be thinking, well, that does not sound like the Will I know. That doesn't sound like what Will would say. Will doesn't say those kinds of things. That doesn't sound like Will. The more you read God's voice, the Word of God, like, the more you're reading that, the more you get familiar with it and the more you will recognize. So that then when people tell you, well, I believe God this or God that, or, and man, I've had people also, I mean, I've had people blame stuff on God that God went in 100 miles of. You know, God told me so-and-so. And you know what? Most of the time, I sit there with my mouth closed, you know, because it just wasn't time. You know, God didn't tell me. This, but then sometimes I've had people tell me, well, God told me so-and-so. And then they stand there and wait for me to say something, you know, and I can't shake my head, yeah, I get, or I agree with you, I can't say that. I try to just keep my mouth shut, but when they push me and they say, well, God tell me, told me so-and-so, and they push me and they got to have an answer from me, and I have, to give, I have to tell them that doesn't sound like the God that I read in the Bible because he said this in the Bible, and he said this in the Bible. What, what, it's the Bible, reading the Word is what has taught me what his voice sounds like, so when I hear something, Something, it helps me know whether it's God or it's some other outside force telling me something that just sounds good to me for right now. That's why reading the Bible helps you hear from God. Praying helps you hear from God. Because, you know, it's like, like right now, we're in a room with a lot of people in it, but you're only listening to one person. 
you and I are kind of connected, most of you, except there may be a couple of you that's gone to sleep or playing on your phone or something, right? But you're connected with me right here, right? And so you're hearing what I am saying. The, a person four rows behind you right now whispers, you don't even hear anything they said. Now, if you were, if you were talking to them, turned around looking at their face and they whispered, you probably would hear what they had to say because you had made that connection. But that's not the connection that you're making. Here's what I'm saying. It's hard to hear people that you're ignoring. It's hard to hear what they say. It's hard to hear people that you're ignoring. And so, so when, you know, like being in a room, you want to hear two or three people, you kind of connect with them sitting around the table and all those other people around the rest of the living room. You know, you're not listening to them so much, but you're connecting with those people. Here's what I'm saying is what prayer does. The way prayer helps us hear from God is it opens the door of communication. It starts the communication. Start the conversation with God. If you're not hearing him yet, then start the conversation. Speak up. Say something to him because then when you're speaking to him, it connects. And now it's like, okay, I'm connected. I'm thinking, I'm talking, you know, I'm paying attention to what God is saying. That's how prayer helps us begin to hear from God. And then fasting, you know, here's the way fasting helps us distinguish from or separate the, all the unimportant voices from the important voice in our life. When we fast, it helps, us, it helps us differentiate between the unimportant and the important in our lives. And so it helps us differentiate between the unimportant voices and the important voices in our life. You know, so that you're, because one of the things that people are always concerned about, right? Is, but I'm afraid I'll hear something and it's not God and I'll think it was God. Fasting helps us distinguish what those things are. All these things do. Reading the Bible and praying and fasting helps us distinguish his voice from everyone else's voice. But the fourth thing, the fourth tool here of hearing from God is listening. Listening. Now, wait a minute. That's, isn't that the same thing? Nope, it's not the same thing. You can hear something and not listen to it, Right? I mean, all the time, I mean, I, it seems like all the time I have people that I've told something to and they heard a, they heard a sound, but they didn't hear the message, right? They, they didn't hear what I was trying to say, you know, like, like your kid, you know, driving down the road and they've been talking for the last two hours, you know, you've heard them making noise, but you hadn't listened to what they said. You understand what I'm saying now, right? But what listening does is listening makes space. When you listen, you're making space to hear what is being said. That, 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 like we get so busy, you know, tur turn off the road, I, I say this a lot of times, I don't, I don't listen to anything going down the road. Very rare, I, very rarely do I listen to the radio or music or anything, even, even good Christian worship stuff, and, and I don't listen going down the road because a lot of times that's the only space I've got in my life where God can really speak, and I know I'm not going to get interrupted in the next couple of minutes unless the phone rings, you know, kind of a thing. I'm still, you know, still don't, but, you know, because our, our lives get so full, you've got to make space. If you want to hear, you've got to make space by listening, listening to God, listen to Him. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of like, I, I think, one of the things we do. Have you ever had anybody, you ever had anybody hang up on you before you were finished with a phone call? You know, my granddad lived next door to us growing up. He never said goodbye on the phone, you know. Now, we lived next door, so we didn't talk to him on the phone a whole lot. But there were times I would call him for something, you know, and, and I would be talking to him, you know, and, and he would just be done and hang up, you know. 
You ever had that happen? You know, somebody hang up before you're finished talking? You know, I wonder if we ever do that with God. I wonder if we ever hang up before he's I wonder if we ever hang up before he started. I wonder if, if, if we're so busy, maybe, maybe you don't, you're not like my granddad who didn't even say goodbye. We say goodbye, right? Amen? Amen. We say amen, and that's goodbye, right? We, we kind of look at that as, okay, amen, I'm done, God. We say it like that. It's, it's like we say that amen, we, we've cut it off. And I wonder if a lot of times, you know, we've prayed and we've opened that door of communication, but then we cut it off before we stop long enough. We've got to make some space for God to speak if we want to be able to hear him. You got to make, and that's what, that's, what I, that's what I'm terming listening here, is making some space to hear him. And until you do, you're not going to. Because, you know, going back to that fasting, you got so many other things taking up your time, taking up your attention. You're not going to hear until you make space. So these are the four things. Let me give you one last little thing. Um, yeah, because I, I, I do know some people are, get concerned about it. I'm, I'm worried if I start listening, I'm going to listen to the, some of the wrong stuff. That's why you need to read the Word. That's why you need to be praying. That's why you need to be fasting. Because that will help you keep on focus. That, wait, wait, wait. This, is, this is God. This lines up with His Word. This sounds like His voice. All of that kind of thing. That's why you need to be doing it. But you need to understand this also. Jesus, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, if you're following Him, Jesus is already inside of you. He's already come. All right, let me show you. You remember last week, uh, if you were here, I hope you were, John chapter 15, I mentioned to you about, about, how, about how God then puts his vine inside of us, that good vine that he put. And Jesus says in John chapter 15, I am the true vine and you're the branches. Right before he says that, the, the previous chapter, right before he says that, this is in John chapter 14, beginning verse 20. He says this, okay? He says, and because they, and he's talking about his followers, because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Jesus is not playing hide and seek with you. If you want to hear his voice, he's not hiding himself. He wants you to hear him, you know? I don't know anybody that talks that doesn't want to be heard. If you speak, you normally want to be heard. Jesus wants you to hear him, okay? He wants to reveal himself to you. Then he goes on. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them. And we, and here, especially if you go back and look at the previous verses, you'll see that he's talking about the Father and himself, Jesus and his Father. He says, and we, me and the Father, we will come and make our home with each of them. He's already inside of you. He's already there. He's already speaking. He's already doing everything he can. He's trying to get a message through to you. He's got this wisdom that you don't have. He knows stuff you don't know. He's already got a plan that, 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 that he's had for a long time for your life, something that's going to help you. He already knows how to do something that you're worried is going to take forever and it's going to destroy more than it's going to fix. God's already got all this going on. He's been trying to do this, and he's right there already. He's right there already. And, and, and all we have to do is do those do those ordinary things. Some of us, if I ask you, there are some of you, if I ask you, you'd jump up and do something really out of the ordinary right now if it would mean, mean a miracle. But really, most of us, what God wants is he just wants us to do those ordinary, important things. Read the Bible, pray, fast, and listen. He just wants us to do those ordinary, and if we'll do those ordinary things, 
it will release the extraordinary power of God. I, let me say, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm about to bring you down, but I just, I just want to say this, okay? You may look in the Bible and you may see some weird things that happen in the Bible, but you look behind the scenes and you see that person that God led them to something, you know what you'll see? You'll just see them doing those important, ordinary things before God said, go pour water out of this, go call fire down out of that, go build a boat where nobody else, there's no water anywhere around. Before they get to the extraordinary, they did those ordinary things. So you and I have some ordinary to do. If we'll do it, the extraordinary will be released in our life. The power of God can be released in our life. But until we do the ordinary things, the commitment of doing it and doing it and doing it, it'll never happen. Let me, let me give you one. I, I want to dig in just a little bit deeper. I want to get in your business just a little bit right here in closing, okay? One last little thing. Now, now this is a phrase, uh, a, little, a little saying that I don't know who said it first. There's so many people claiming, claiming that they're the ones that said it on, online. I don't know who, who's, but probably nobody claiming it online actually was the per first person to say it, okay? But I ran across it this week, and I said, man, that's got to be a part of these next two sermons on how. All right, here it is. If it is important to you, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. I had to pause for a while in the first ser ser uh, service because everybody was groaning and moaning like I'd have just sucker punched them in the gut. Mm, that's good. How important is it to you to have God's extraordinary power operating in your life? You know what? If it's important, you'll find a way to do these four things. If it's not important, you'll have all kinds of excuses why you can't read, why you can't pray, why you can't listen to God. But if it's important to you, if you've got a need this week, if you need a, if you need a better job than you've got, if you need a financial miracle, if you need something like, if you need God to show up in your life somehow this week, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. You will find a way. Whatever is important to you today, you're going to find a way to do. If you've decided you're going to somewhere to eat with somebody or something, it doesn't matter how many storm clouds James Fan sees coming. If it's important, you're going to find a way to get there. We will do what is important to us. So that's what you've got to decide. You want the extraordinary? You want this to just be the beginning so that you can move on to extraordinary power of God, the miracles and the blessings? You want that? Then you've got you to do these four ordinary things. You've got to decide that nothing is going to get in my way of doing these four ordinary things because I want the extraordinary power of God in my life. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and pastoral staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.